0: Imagine with me if you will. There's music playing, it's funny and it's quirky, and you're loving it, and I'm giggling in the background, and I probably say something like, what the fuck? And then it cuts into me being like, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Deadlifts and Daddy Issues. As always, I am your host, your CEO, and your birth mother of this wonderful podcast that you wonderful motherfuckers keep turning into every single week. I almost said turning on to let's not dive into that. That could that could be weird. Anyways, this episode I'm going to get deep and vulnerable, which is something I don't ever do. There are very few people in my life who know this side to me, and now I'm telling the whole world, and it's making me want to actually throw up. But before I get into that, I know we're posting on a Monday instead of a Friday, and I'm throwing all everybody off, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I kind of just don't exist outside of, like, just life. Like, 12 hours of my day is spent working, and then I come home, and I'm exhausted because I've spent 12 hours working, and then I have to turn around and get up at 4 a.m. the next day, and so I just don't exist on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And previously, I was editing most of the day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so like it's just now that those are my work days, I gotta flop things around, but thank you for just like holding on with me and loving me anyways and waiting oh so patiently for me to post on Monday. Can I be completely honest really quick and just say that I'm recording this episode in my bikini because we're about to go get on the boat with my dad. Um, and like hang out and chill and have a good time Also, let me just say that a wisdom tooth coming in is actually a curse And i'm gonna figure out how to get rid of it and send it back to whoever sent it to me because let me tell you Mama is in pain. It literally hurts to talk like it hurts my mouth to open it all the way And I can't hardly eat anything that isn't considered like a soft food without having to like super overcook it we're just we're struggle bussing this week, my babes. We're struggle bussing, but it's okay. I'm still here. You're still here. We're still gonna have a banging up time, okay? Um, this episode is called "Getting a Little Deeper" because I am going to talk about something that I don't normally disclose about my life. And not for any other reason except for really, like, I don't want people to feel sympathy for me. I don't want them to feel bad for for me. I don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, like, like I'm not doing it for attention. And I feel like sometimes when people get diagnoses like this, um, even just simply sharing your story can come across that way. And then people get judgy and all of that. But... I'm at this point in my life, and you guys have heard me say this 10,000 times, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, if someone thinks that this is all about attention and, we're like, trying to draw people to me, then, like, good for you. You have insecurities that you need to work on that are way outside what I'm capable of helping you with. This is, this is Quinny B. This is who I am, raw and real. We're raw dog in life, okay? Or life's raw dog in me. Um, but it's just part of who I am, and I have slowly, over the last three years, come to terms with that, and so now I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna be real about it. Now, again, I don't really have a timeline of anything. Um, l- I don't know if that's, like, ADHD-related, that I can't, like, remember what year specifically sometimes, like, things happen, or I could be like, oh, that was just the other day, and it was really, like, three years ago. <laughs> But regardless, I'm going to do my best to kind of walk you through my life and how I found these things out about myself. And um, I'll probably forget things that are important because I'm really good at doing that. So, we're getting deeper. About three years ago, I decided that these chronic issues that I were ha- that I was having, it was bigger than just, I'm a teenager or not a teenage, I'm a young woman that is powerlifting and has aches and pains. And then I started to sit down and think about it. And it goes back all the way to grade school. I've always been really heat sensitive, which isn't always necessarily a symptom of what I'm about to tell you, but I just remember being like really, really sensitive to the heat. And honestly, summer is miserable for me if I'm not by a body of water because if I can't get cooled off, chances are I'm gonna pass out. And it has to do with like direct sunlight. Like I can be hot. But if I get in the direct sunlight and that kind of heat starts, like, pounding down on me, lights out for Quinny B, okay? And that has happened quite a bit in my life. And um, I think back to when I was playing volleyball in grade school and after every single game, my knees would swell like nothing I had ever seen. They were huge and they would turn colors and I would ache and after practices, I would have to, like, take ibuprofen or take something because I was in so much pain. But when you're that young, it's assuming that you're growing. They're growing pains. And honestly, if I were a parent in that situation, I would have thought the exact same thing. Like, oh, she's just got growing pains. This is just a part of a, a young woman becoming, you know, a, a teenager. And that's not what I meant to say. A teenager becoming a young woman. And so I just kind of went with it. Didn't think anything about it. And then I get into high school and I start to play soccer and... I couldn't. Um, the amount of pain that I would be in after a practice or after a game was absolutely killing, like, I can't even describe how I would feel. Like, on a scale of one to ten, it was a nine. Like, it was just unbearable, and so I ended up not playing soccer, and I felt like, um, like, My left knee would be worse than my right knee as far as like pain and swelling and stuff. So I always thought I had this injury, and I was going to doctors and they're like, kid, you know, we don't understand why you're swelling like this, but there is no injury. There's no sprain. There's no tear. um, There's a little bit of, you know, we can see where there's a little bit of deterioration, but it's nothing major and it's typical for someone who plays sports. And so I just kind of threw my hands up in the air, like, well, I'm just kind of weird, I guess, which, I mean, I am, but I never really took the time to dive into it, but then it went from being my, just my knees swelling all the time to now my hands are swelling at an uncontrollable rate, my elbows are swelling at an uncontrollable rate, my hips hurt so bad that it's taking the breath out of me. And I can't hardly function. And now I'm getting hives all over my body for no reason. I remember I woke up one day and I was covered head to toe in hives. My eyes were swelling shut. And it was only on the outside so like my throat and stuff was fine. But like I was swollen all over and I'm itching. And I just remember thinking like, man, this is not normal. But to be so young and having these issues, doctors just kind of blow it off. Like, oh, she'll probably outgrow it. She'll come out of it. And so, I finally started advocating for myself and I was like, listen, all of these things are happening. This kind of pain that I'm experiencing is not normal and I feel like we need to dive a little bit deeper. And so, we started looking at my family history and what do you know, my paternal grandmother had rheumatoid arthritis and so I asked if it was genetic and it is and so the doctors started digging even deeper into that. We did the tests and sure enough, I have rheumatoid. And it it was hard it was a hard pill for me to swallow. So when they first told me about this and said that it was a possibility that this is what I had, I quit going to the doctor because I had just started my powerlifting journey at that point and I I didn't want them to take that from me, which they couldn't, regardless. I just didn't know that yet. But I didn't want them to take the one thing that I had at that point in my life away from me. I didn't really have friends. I, um, really, at at that stage in my life, all I really had was like the close family and the guy that I was dating at the time. And so, like, my whole identity was being in the gym. And I would go and like do my workout session and then like get on the treadmill for two hours because that's all I had to do. And so, I was like, they can't take this from me, they can't pull this away from me. And so, I quit going to the doctor and just kind of kept living. But the thing was that symptoms started to get worse. I started to have really bad issues with dry mouth and dry eye, and the hives became more frequent, and the pain was just completely unbearable. I needed, like, muscle relaxers or something. I was getting injured all the time again. I was sleeping, like, crazy. Like, I would sleep 12 hours at a time. Like, I would literally go to bed at 8 p.m. and wake up at 8 a.m. the next day, like, oh, no biggie. Like, it's just normal because I power lift. I work out like this, and yeah, that had something to do with it, but the level of exhaustion that I was experiencing was, like, out of this world, and I knew that it wasn't normal. And so, I finally buckled down again and had more tests done, started to go back to the doctor again, and they said, hey, did you also know that you're anemic? Like, you have low iron levels, and not, like, dangerously low, but, like, enough that it's definitely affecting your day-to-day. And so, I was like, oh, that's probably what it is. I probably don't even have all these other things that they were telling me. So, then I started blaming everything on that I was anemic. Oh, I'm tired because I'm anemic. I'm hurting because I'm anemic. And like some of these things were definitely not symptoms of anemia, but I was so afraid to have this condition that I just blamed it on anything else that I could. And I finally met, um, one of my closest friends and she has rheumatoid. And so the more that we hung out, the more that we talked about my symptoms and the stuff that I was going through, she was like, you know, you really need to get tested again. I really think that you do have rheumatoid. And if you do, you need to get treatment for it. And so I took her advice, went and had the particular test done where they check for that. And sure enough, I have it. And so (laughs) it's been scary. Um, it took me a year after them telling me that, like, yes, this is, in fact, what you have to swallow my pride and swallow the pill that is a new diagnosis. Because, like, at this point in my life, I've already been diagnosed with anxiety. I've already been diagnosed with depression. They've already told me that I'm anemic. You know, there's all these other things. So, I was, like, really trying to avoid having another title slapped across me. I had just been, um, diagnosed, or they had my therapist had brought up that she thought I had ADHD. And so, I'm like, okay, they want to, like, they just want to slap all these titles across me and, leak, you know, squeeze my dad's insurance money for all it's worth. I probably don't have all these things. And I just had convinced myself that it was all in my head. And there were other outside voices that were telling me, like, it was all in my head. But there there came a point where I was like, okay, this isn't a normal way to live life. And I need to accept that. And so, I took it in for what it was. I digested it. I let it be the thing that it was. And I I started to get comfortable with it. And I'm going to go into, like, rheumatoid here in a second and, like, talk about, like, what it actually is and what it affects. Um, but this is just, like, the journey part of it, I guess, um, I kind of was just, like, okay, it's okay to have, and it was really, honestly, like, when I got with Liz that I started to be, like, I had to tell her, like, I kept it th- this secret, like, I had some kind of, like, like, I was dying or something, and I didn't want anybody to know, and that wasn't the case at all, but I was so afraid of what people would say to me because I power lifted, like, oh, well, you're hurting yourself even more doing that, oh, well, you shouldn't do that, it's harder on your joints, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that, and so I just kept my mouth shut because I didn't want anybody to say something to me that would scare me. And at that point in my life, I didn't have the backbone that I have now. And if enough people would have said something, I would have stepped away and I knew that. I was conscious of that. But I didn't know how to tell people to fuck off yet. And so I got with Liz and I it was kind of like the first person that I had really admitted to like, yes, I have this condition and sometimes it affects the way that I can perform as an athlete. And so that particular year, I just had little baby flare-ups, I would say, like nothing that just took me out. And until (laughs) March of this year, and when I say it took me out, I stepped on the platform and I had to fight for every single pound that they put on that bar. And when I say I had to fight for it, I mean I had to use every fiber of my being to get my openers. And if you go back to the episode, the first episode of Me and Liz, um, you'll know that I missed 330, which was my deadlift opener, which is child's play for me. Um, I could when I'm healthy, that's a number that I could like probably double. Like I did a beltless single at 330. So, you know, 330 was not a number that we were worried about, nor were deadlifts a thing that we were worried about. I excel at deadlifts. I love them. I'm great at them. And so we get, I get on the platform and I can't hold on to anything. The right side of my body is going completely numb. And so when I would stand up with the weight, I would fall. Like, I would literally collapse. Like, my body was trying to tell me, like, bitch, lay the fuck down. Like, you need to rest. And I wasn't. I was trying to push through this meet. Second attempt, go back up, obviously at 3.30. You can't go down once you go up. And so, I'm staying at 3.30. And I completely pass out. And I'm very grateful for everybody that was there that day that picked me up off the platform. And, like, again, really go back and listen to the first episode of Me and Liz. She got in my face and she was like, hey, you fucking got this. Like, this, like, rheumatoid doesn't get to win today. Quinlan Bryan gets to win today. So go up there and fucking get it and get out of your head and said all of the right things. Oh, I got goosebumps. (laughs) Um, Said all of the right things. And so I got up and I went and fucking did it and pulled it on my third attempt and I had an absolute crash. I, the whole right side of my body was on fire. It hurt. There was a numb sensation shooting down um, my leg. I thought I had pulled something. I thought I was injured. I was afraid to walk. Like I had gotten off the platform and then I was like, I need somebody to carry me. Like I'm scared. And then I, it hurt, but I was like literally crying out of fear. Like I had never felt anything like that before. And so I was like having this this panic attack, and I knew, like, all these people at home were watching me, and I knew that everybody was going to be proud of me regardless of what had happened, but, like, I was terrified. The feelings that I was feeling all at once, it was, like, every symptom that you could imagine was happening at one time, and so then it sent me into a panic attack. Like, I couldn't breathe. I was scared. I was, like, what is happening to me right now? Like, what is going on? And it took me probably about 45 minutes to get my bearings. And then I felt guilty because I didn't get to watch the rest of my team. I didn't get to watch the rest of my team compete. And, but I I was like, I had completely lost my bearings. Um, Oh, that made me emotional. (laughs) Um, So I, I had gathered myself and I was still, like, I was hurting. Like, it felt like someone had ran me over by a truck. Like, everything in my body was hurting. And it was hard for me to walk, but I could breathe, and the burning sensation that I was feeling was going away. The numb sensation that I was feeling was going away. I just felt really exhausted, and, like, someone had literally hit me, like, shoved me over. And when I say hit me by a truck, I mean, like, literally hit me by a truck. Like, I was achy, and I was just like, man, what is this? And so, instead of staying in Indy that night, we ended up going home, because I needed to be seen, like, right away. And... I, they told me, they were like, you, we have no idea how you pulled off what you pulled off yesterday. You're very, very sick, and you need to really start, like, push your recovery and take it, which I've always taken recovery seriously, but they were like, don't touch anything this week. Like, rest, sleep, eat, that's it. Don't go on walks, don't do anything. Like, you need to recover. I am still fighting that flare-up a little bit. I, I am on the uphill of it. Um, I really think that that point was, like, the bottom. That was where I had sunk. That was it. That was rock bottom of, you know, that point. Um, but recovery over the next couple of weeks looked like a lot of sleep, a lot of swelling, a lot of medication, a lot of tests, a lot of okay, what am I, what am I eating, what am I drinking, how much water am I drinking? Um, what you know, there are sometimes that you have to go gluten free because sometimes gluten can irritate it, and so everything got really serious and really like dark for a while. I was really, really depressed after Indy. And it was a crazy wonderful meet, directed well, ran well. Shout out to everybody that, um, you know, the spotters, the loaders, the directors, you guys were incredible. It was a beautifully ran meet. Um, but I just didn't get, I, like, it. me personally, like, on the inside, I didn't get to go and do what I wanted to go and do. And it sucked. I was so upset. And, like, we had so many bigger things planned for that day. And to come home and I had almost bottomed out, like, or bombed out, not bottomed out, to have almost bombed out was terrifying. I did bottom out um, on, on a lot of things. My blood test came back and, like, everything was whacked up. But I still did it and I'm so proud of myself for doing it and being on the other side of it now, I'm like, girlfriend, you did that shit, like, be proud of yourself, But I did battle a really bad depression episode and I don't open up, especially on social media when things get dark. I don't like to tell people that that's what I'm going through. I will post on social media and you will have no idea what's going on. And that's the thing is most people don't. They have no idea that this is what I go through every single, I mean, not every single day, but, you know, when I'm flared up, like, sometimes it takes everything I have to get out of bed, let alone go to work, let alone get to the gym, let alone train, let alone, you know, make sure that I'm eating right. Like, it's, I don't like to be vulnerable and I don't like to let people into that and to see that. Now, the reason why is because you get these Facebook doctors, or you get these Instagram doctors that got their doctorate degree from Google, and they think that they can tell you whatever they want, and that you should listen to them because their cousin's brother's ex-wife's sister-in-law's aunt has it, and they know all about it. The thing is, and especially with autoimmune disease or like a chronic illness like this, is that every single case is very, very unique and every single case is different. And the thing is, is there are some days I forget that I have it and I get to live a normal life and I get to be a normal human being and do all the normal things and I I feel fine, I feel great, everything's wonderful, like whatever. However, there are days where I literally can't get out of bed until the meds kick in. And it's just something that I've learned to take head on. And I think that that's what you have to do. There are a lot of scary things when you get a diagnosis and processing that this is what you have is alone scary, but then, you know, you do the bad thing and you get on Google and you read about it. And the thing about rheumatoid is that it attacks the soft tissue in your body. Your whole body is made of soft tissue, like (laughs) your, your organs are soft tissue. And so, like, it literally attacks everything your body is constantly attacking itself and so the scary thing about that is like you get something like the common cold and it took everybody a week to fight it off but it could take you a month because your body isn't paying attention to what's good and what's bad it's just attacking everything so if you have and I use this on my Instagram story um if you have this army and they're always constantly battling each other like no matter what you do to get them all in line, they're constantly battling each other. And then an enemy comes in, right? And now they have to attack the enemy, but they're also attacking themselves. It's gonna take a little bit to defeat the enemy. It's gonna take you a little bit longer because it's already fighting itself. Oh, now we gotta fight this thing that's coming in that we don't know what that is either. Like it doesn't, it doesn't know the difference between good and bad, and it gets to be draining. And then the thing, too, is that it's not just physically draining, but it's mentally draining. You know, there's the physical aspect to it, and then there's the mental aspect to it. And there are days I just sit and cry because I feel like I'm trapped inside my own body. And, you know, it gets really, 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 really dark sometimes. And there are days that, you know, you wake up and you're already hurting and you're like, I gotta fight again today. I've got to fight with everything I'm worth again today. Everything I've got in me, I've got to put it all out there again today, and it just gets exhausting. I'm grateful because, number one, I'm in therapy, and so I have a therapist who holds my hand and walks me through these kinds of things, but I also have a group of people in my life, and I would call them my inner circle friends and I can talk to them about those kinds of things. I can tell them like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is, you know, this is how I feel today. And while they can't be like, oh, I totally relate. They're just there. They encourage me and they uplift me and they're there for me. And I, that's, that's what I need. I can't do the wishy-washy, I'm here, I'm not, I'm here, I'm not, I'm here, I'm not, people. Um, They stay on the outer rings of my life and they don't get to know the personal things because I don't have time for wishy-washy people. I can still love them. I can still be kind to them. I can still respect them for who they are. But you have to digest that of they're a wishy-washy person. They don't get to be on the inside. They don't get to know when I'm hurting or when I'm struggling because I, I don't want to open up to them on that level because what, how do I know that they're going to be there when I need them? And so, like, that's a whole other thing, you know, and I'm not just talking about me personally, I'm talking about anybody that has any kind of chronic illness diagnosis, whether it's mental or physical, like that's something that you go through and if you haven't and you just kind of let everybody in, allow me to take a second to encourage you, make an inner circle, okay? Um, Jack actually gave me this um, like analogy a while back. Um, I was struggling with someone who had disappeared out of my life out of nowhere completely just whoo, vanished and so i was talking to her about it and she's someone that's in my inner circle i i trust her with my life um and so she gave me this analogy and i hope she doesn't care that i share it right now um she told me to think of my life as like you know when you cut into a tree there's circles right there's all these circles and then there's the innermost circle of the tree and so You kind of put people in their circles, and the farther out they are, the less that they know about you and the less personal that you are with them, and the closer circles, you know, each level gets to know a little bit more, and then your inner circle, your closest circle, those are the people that you can have those intimate and deep and vulnerable conversations with, and those, you know how small those circles are when you cut into a tree, and they're small for a reason, because not everybody deserves that kind of spot in your life. And I know that I'm only 25 and saying this, but trust me, I've learned the hard way. Not everybody deserves that spot in your life. And so, you know, you look at all these circles and you have to decide where am I going to put people. And it has been that analogy, and I've shared it with my therapist because that analogy has been a total game changer for me. Like, I... I have sat people in their circles, and they get to know certain things, and it's been healthy for me. Now, the thing is, is when you think about these circles, really, they're lines and they're boundaries. Oh, my God! We're setting boundaries, bitches? Yeah, it's 2022, and we're fucking setting boundaries. But we're going to do them in circles, so it seems maybe a little bit less harsh, and it's a little bit easier to think about it as circles instead of lines. Thank you, neighbor, for your obnoxiously loud truck that is going to go by during my podcast. How rude. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, I've, I've done this circle thing and I've put people where my boundaries say that they can be and it changes everything. Now, I said all of that to say that, like, that has helped me physically. So, this mental analogy has helped me physically because I don't feel like I have to share with every single person out there what's going on. Yes, I'm on a podcast talking about it, but that's because I chose to. I'm not going to get on here and whine and complain every single day when something hurts or, you know, when I'm having a bad day. That's for my inner circle people. And so, those, that's for the people I trust, you know? So, not only did this analogy help me mentally put people where I needed to and to set boundaries with people and to remind myself that like hey this person's on the outer circle for a reason remember all those things you didn't tell them remember what got them to the outer circle remember what you had to do to push them out there they don't need to know that you're hurting or that you're sick or that you're dealing with this right now Sometimes you need to catch your own breath, and when you're going through a flare-up or you're dealing with an illness like this, whether, and again, whether it's physical or mental, you know, depression and anxiety and ADHD and, like, all of those things, they can, this goes for them, too. I'm not just talking about physical, you know, diseases here. If people don't have respect enough to know, like, oh, they need a second, like, we, yeah, we can talk about this later, absolutely, you know, it's okay, if they don't respect that, then you don't need them anyways. They, that's not someone that you need in your life. They're not really there. They're not really in your corner. They're not really in, you know, they're not really trying to be a part of your inner circle anyways. You don't need that. That is baggage. And again, you can still love them and respect them and, you know, know that they are a human being and that they deserve to be treated as a human being, but that doesn't mean that you have to let them in. That was just a spiel, a spiel, a spiel and a half, wasn't it? Um. But I'm serious about all of that that I just said. Like, let that be your encouragement. Now, I want to take a minute to say this too. Do not let a diagnosis hold you back from shit, okay? I was terrified of that, that I would let a diagnosis get to my head and I never once did. There are, don't get me wrong, there are weeks where I have to, you know, so when Liz programs, she gives us a range, you know, find an RPE8 from 250 pounds to 280 pounds, and there are weeks that I have to stay on the 250 pound end because that's my 8 for the week because I'm flared up and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm on all these medications and, you know, whatever, but I'm still there. I'm still lifting and I'm still putting in the same amount of effort as if I was having a good week. Don't let it stop you. Sit with it for a minute. Decide okay, what am I capable of doing this training session, this week, this month, you know, whatever, but don't let it stop you. Do not let your diagnosis become your existence. Do not let it completely take over and, you know, you hold yourself back because here's the thing, you're still you. You still have a purpose. You still have a very real truth to live. And maybe that's getting on a podcast and talking about it. You know, like, oh, this is what I deal with. And maybe it's, you know, sharing your story with somebody in the gym who needed a little bit of motivation. But you still have a purpose and you still need to live that to its fullest extent. And whatever they diagnosed you with doesn't hold a fucking candle to who you are. Be loud and be proud and be obnoxious and take up space and be colorful or be dark, whichever one you prefer. We all know I live life on the dark side. You know, I love the dark and spooky things, but maybe you like bright colors and neon and whatever it is. Be that if you love to lift, then keep lifting. If you love to run, then keep running. If you love to bike or hike or I don't know what else, I'm really on the physical fitness side of this, but whatever it is, do it. I know, you know, you look at elderly people with arthritis, and it is, you know, completely reshaped their hands, but they still want to paint. Keep painting. Keep drawing. Keep being an artist. Figure out a way to work around it. Do not let your diagnosis die. Hang on, wait. Do not let your diagnosis define who you are. You still get to be you, and you still get to live this beautiful life, and there are still all kinds of crazy, wild, and amazing things that you get to do. Maybe you have to pace yourself a little bit differently, but that makes you uniquely you, and it's still, it, it's not going to hold you back. Yes, it's an obstacle, but there are obstacles that we overcome every single day. Every single, you know, year, whatever, like, don't let it hold you back. Don't let it stop you from being who you are. Yes, I am Quinlan Bryan and I am loud and sometimes I forget how much space I take up and I constantly have bruises all over me because of that and I have ADHD and I have anxiety and I have depression and I have rheumatoid arthritis but guess what? I'm still out there and I still have a 303 squat and I still have a 365 deadlift and I still have an 150-pound bench and I still have goals that are way over those numbers that I'm gonna achieve someday and I am NOT about to let rheumatoid take that away from me. I am not about to let a doctor or a specialist or a nurse or somebody on the internet take those things from me. I am still here, and you are still going to respect the space that I deserve and that I've earned. And if you don't like it, then get away from me. You don't have to be around me. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to follow me on social media. You don't have to be in the same area that I'm in. You don't have to acknowledge my existence, but you will respect me as a human being. I'm on a soapbox. Ha <laughs> ha i get really passionate about this and i didn't think that i would um to be honest i recorded this episode once and i could hear the fear in my voice and i had to step back and be like "Mm, no ma'am we are not going to be afraid to talk about this you have dealt with this for years own it and so this is me owning it own your shit okay like and the thing is is that every single person out there has a struggle so this is yours but own that that's your struggle Find your inner circle, find the people that you can count on and rely on, and keep going. Don't let anybody stop you from being you. Do you hear me? Do not let anybody or anything or any diagnosis of whatever it is stop you from doing the things that you want to do. And I know that that is easier said than done. Trust me. Me, (laughs) I have been there. I am just now coming out on the other side of a very dark depression that not a lot of people knew I was going through. But I did it. I'm, I'm coming out of it. There are still days I'm like, but that's all part of it, okay? And it's okay to have those days or those weeks, and it's okay to have those feelings and sit with them, feel them. Don't and listen, I'm preaching it myself right now. Don't block them out, okay? it makes everything worse. Feel them. If you're feeling icky and you need to sit and cry, then sit and cry and feel the hurt and feel the pain. And that's a really uncomfy thing to do. But let me tell you, all of my healing that has happened over the last year is because I've owned up to feeling those things and I've sat and felt them. And I'm like, okay, yep, this sucks dick, but you know what? Here we are. I'm I'm having to feel some things right now. I'm having to let go of people in my life again, that, you know, aren't suiting my purpose and aren't aren't pushing me to do my best and who are not, you know, people come into your life for reasons and seasons and their season's over and that's really hard and I, I hate letting go of people and I hate letting people in and I hate getting attached to people because there are seasons that you have to let go of people and it hurts and then you feel things and let me tell you, I'm the queen of hating feeling things, okay? Like, I don't like to feel, but I I have to sometimes maybe sit in my shower a little extra longer or sit in my car a little extra longer after work or barricade myself in my room and just feel it because that's how you heal it, is you feel it, okay? Have I been emotional and dramatic enough? Oh, not dramatic, but I, I knew I was going to get on my soapbox when I reevaluated myself about this. But we need, sometimes you need to hear it from somebody else. So I challenge you this week that when you start to, a feeling starts to come in, right? Sit with it. Maybe you can't in that moment, but push it off until you go to take a bath that night or until you get ready to go to bed and feel it. Feel the emotion. I hate it too. It's icky and I hate it. Oh. I don't like it either, but you're not going to heal from it if you keep pushing it off. In fact, you're just going to make the wound bigger, and it's going to get more sore, and you are it's going to get worse. So, feel it and heal it. That's what we're doing this week, okay? Also, it's summer. Let's be the baddest bitches that we are, okay? I don't care what you identify as. Male, female, non-binary, whatever. We're all bad bitches, Okay. Kings and queens and everything in between. We are going to be bad bitches, but we have to heal in order to be bad bitches. Okay, we are healed, powerful healing. We're healing, powerful bad bitches. Okay, own your space this week. Do the thing that you were afraid to do. Feel the thing that you were afraid to feel. Step outside of your comfort zone this week. I want at least twenty-five DMs of people who stepped outside their comfort zones and of people who sat and felt things this week. Don't be afraid to DM me, okay? I love to read about, you know, someone doing or hearing something from the podcast or whatever. Shoot me a DM. 25 of them. I want to see them, and when I hit the goal, I will announce it on my um, Instagram. I'm owning it right now. I am manifesting it. I'm putting it out into the universe. Universe, do you hear this right now? We are going to get at least 25 DMs about people healing and feeling and stepping outside their comfort zones. Maybe that's, you know, I think I'm going to change the name. I'm going to change the title of the podcast episode. So the beginning of this is not going to make any sense for people until they get to this part, but I'm changing the name right now to healing and feeling. Is that what we're going to call it? Yeah. Healing and feeling. Okay. I'm going to get off my soapbox that you just so happened to step into today. Bet you didn't know you were going to step into that. I am going to go get on a boat with my swollen ass face from this stupid freaking fracking wisdom tooth trying to come through my face right now, and I'm gonna live my best life, okay? Starting, um, actually yesterday when I reprocessed this episode, but guys, I love you, okay? I do. Even if we've never met, we've never spoken, you're just a listener from, I don't know, Canada? I mean, I don't care where you're from. I love you. And I hope that this episode did something for you. I hope that you do something really cool for yourself this week. I hope that this week is your week. And remember what we say here at Deadlifts and Daddy Issues. Main character energy only main character energy only. Go be the main character this week. Go be the bad bitch that I know you're capable of being. Live your truth this week. Be uniquely and beautifully you and then tell me about it. I want to hear about it, okay? Guys, mm, I fucking love you so much. You look hot today. Go own your shit, okay? (laughs) Goodbye.